You're listening to the Lean Six Sigma for Good podcast. We help you learn how Lean and Six Sigma concepts can be applied to nonprofits, NGOs, and not-for-profit organizations. Visit us at LeanSixSigmaForGood.com. All right. Well, today we have Deandra Wardell with us. Um, we are part of a group called Lean Communicators, and that's how we've really gotten to know each other. But just seen your work over the last year or two and heard you had some work, uh, done some work with nonprofits. And so I'd like to learn a little, a little bit more about that and also any other projects you've got working. I know you got a lot of great stuff going. So thanks for joining us, Deandra, and you could just introduce yourself. Sure. So Brian, you know, first of all, thank you for inviting me to be a guest on your podcast. I, I'm so honored. I've, I've followed you for the longest. I admire your work. And of course, over the past year, you know, having an opportunity to, to get to know you better uh, through, the, through our work as Lean Communicators has just been a fabulous experience. Yeah. But to introduce myself, my name is Deandra Wardell, and I am the owner, lead consultant, CEO at On to the Next One Consulting. And that is my own firm that I work with individuals and groups to help them get connected with their purpose and accomplish you know, their, their wildest dreams, their biggest goals by taking them one step at a time and then moving on to the next one. Great. So how did you get into process improvement? I think you have an interesting story of your journey there. Yeah, so you know, what, what's, what's odd is when I reflect and I think about my first experiences with process improvement, it really started in my home. Um, my parents, you know, although they didn't have any formal lean training, um, a lot of what they taught, you know, my siblings and I growing up, you know, there's a place for everything and everything in its place. Um, I probably, I learned five S before I learned my alphabet, I believe. And then, um, you know, just the way that, um, you know, my parents always encouraged us to look at ways to make processes better and um, look at ways to do things more efficiently. Um, my dad had this expression, use your, your head for more than a hat rack. And you know, I would always laugh when he said that. <laughs> and, and the other thing too, um, you know, my parents really instilled in me uh, the importance of demonstrating respect for people. You know, first of all, having you know, respect for myself and then, you know, making sure others feel respected that, you know, I recognize the greatness that's within others. And, um, and so that, that, you know, like I said, started out as a, as a child, but then um, over the course of my career, I, I first got introduced to lean um, when I worked at an electronic repair industry. And during that particular time, I was in operations and our site manager had an extensive amount of experience in practicing lean and he wanted to introduce it to our site. And typically whenever there were any special projects, he would tap me on the shoulder and ask to assist with it. And as I began to shadow him and, and, and we started out learning about 5S um, and the, you know, the eight or seven ways, you know, depends on which school of thought you're from. And that just, you know, it, it all seemed to, just that, that introductory training and that exposure helped to connect all the dots of everything I've been doing my entire life. And I wanted to learn more. And so I continue to learn and study and work and practice. 
Um, so eventually, um, you know, I was in a, I had an opportunity to serve as a, a global performance director. Um, it was with a large printing and packaging company. I had responsibility for 70 facilities in North America, Europe, and Asia. And we, you know, I led a team of master black belts and working with facilities and members of the leadership team to drive improvements using, you know, what I learned as a child from my parents. <laughs> I've heard that in classes before. People will say, I didn't know this had a name or this was called right. something. I've always done this, but I didn't know 5S was a real thing. I just had always done that pattern and that um, technique. Exactly. Um, you were also coming up through HR, is that right? It wasn't yes. like you came in through an engineering or management role specifically, but you kind of through the, could you explain that a little bit on how your role kind of an HR um, kind of fed into the process improvement work? Absolutely. So one of the things is, that's really interesting is I have a diverse background. Um, I have over 30 plus years of operations management experience and um, have worked as a, a buyer planner, program manager, a business unit manager. I've um, served as a project lead for IT projects. And, you know, again, going back to talking about the whole respect for people and um, wanting to ensure that people had an opportunity to thrive at work. Um, and in one of my earlier roles, I, um, my first HR role was an HR manager. And, um, and in that role, I saw a number of opportunities to connect continuous improvement with what we do in human resources, um, to standardize processes, to uh, update policies, um, you know, for any events that we would organize among the HR department, looking at the most efficient way to, to execute events, projects, or what have you, because, you know, although typically in, in most environments, human resources doesn't continue, doesn't contribute to the bottom line directly, um, you know, with it being, you know, um, it, with, it, with it being a resource that is available um, to ensure that, you know, the business is operating and functioning properly, right. it's still important to recognize, you know, the impact that what HR does you know, can affect the bottom line. And so over the course of, you know, numerous HR roles that I had, and one of the most recent human resource roles I had, I, I served as the vice president of human resources and continuous improvement. Mm -hmm. And what I thought was unique and brilliant about combining those two roles is that when you look at any process improvement or, you know, any enhancement you want to make to the organization and how it is that the culture operates and, you know, it starts with the people and showing people how they're connected, how the work that they do is connected to the mission and the objectives of the organization. Um, so in, in whatever role, when I was in uh, retail, I, um, I managed um, two clothing stores in two of the largest malls in Louisville, Kentucky. And so in that role, I had human resource responsibility, recruiting, training, developing the staff, coaching the staff. Uh, the same is true when I was in the banking industry as uh, a bank branch manager. I had responsibility of, you know, training, developing, 
ensuring that members of my team were successful. And so I, I just think that uh, with the work that we do in, in continuous improvement and lean, um, you know, everything connects back to the people. And so I was always excited when I was in those HR roles and, you know, had a hands-on opportunity um, to really work directly with processes and policies that affected people to ensure that they had opportunities to be successful. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, a huge opportunity with organizations is where HR fits into their lean journey or improvement journey. I think they're often not the ones leading it. They're kind of assisting maybe with training and maybe tracking, you know, an introductory course or helping create that. But um, you're right, it is so much around the people side of it and, and how you manage and lead. But I think it's looked at as tools for manufacturing or operations. And why does this have to do with HR? We just, you know, deal with the people who are complaining about this new initiative. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like that's kind of the, the traditional way they kind of fit in. What, what are, how do you feel like HR should be taking on that role for an improvement change or culture change? Sure. So, you know, my mindset, how I feel is wherever there are people in processes, there, is, there are opportunities to apply lean. And human resources, they are, you know, the, the human resources department is a key contributor to, you know, what's bringing value to the organization. So whether it's manufacturing or if it's in a nonprofit or, or what have you, um, you know, yes, we do have automation and there is technology, but you need people who are actually doing the work. And, um, you know, and people need to see how they're connected to the work. They need to understand how they are valued. They need to feel empowered that, you know, when they run into um, something in their work that doesn't make sense or it's not functioning properly or if they don't have the tools they need to be successful, um, then, you know, there should be an environment where the environment or the culture should, should operate in such a way that allows those people to raise their hand and say, hey, there's a better way to do this. There is a better way for us to work smarter and not harder. And, you know, the, in, in, in the HR department, you know, I, I see that as, as a key, you know, part of a company that can help elevate and, and give an opportunity to give voice to the employees, to share their ideas, to make their recommendations that will ultimately make the organization better and, you know, ultimately delighting, you know, the external customer. You know, the other thing too, and I, and I, I know you've heard me talk about this before in some of our offline chats when we talk about how we're using lean to change the world. But the thing about it is, especially in the workplace, we often focus on the external customer and the external customer is very important. But I also view the employee as the internal customer. And if the internal customer is satisfied, if they, you know, the internal customer, the employee is aligned with the vision, the mission, the goals and objectives of the organization, if they see how they fit in with the overall process, well, you know, that helps them to feel connected. It helps them to feel included. And so, of course, they're going to make contributions, um, you know, 
to make the business successful because they benefit from it as well as an employee having the opportunity to be successful in their own position and also have opportunities for advancement. So, you know, it's a win-win for everyone when we take the time to recognize the importance of investing in the talent that we have on our teams. Yeah, and I know you've done some work with Kata as well. And so, you know, I think the how you lead is really important and it's, it's not the intuitive way a lot of people have led or managed or worked their way up through a company and, you know, stepping back and asking good questions and not giving answers. And I, you know, I think that's something that you have to, you can't just have a couple people doing that. It's mostly got to have everybody on the same page with that, which is where I think HR is also a really key component on the leadership development and how we're going to manage and act and show that respect as a company. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember when I, I worked at, um, in, in one of my past careers, um, when I worked at a, an electronic repair industry, and we had, and, and I'm going back referencing the example I gave earlier about um, the operations leader, the site director who wanted to introduce lean to the team. And we started out focusing on 5S and um, you know, the eight ways. Well, as time progressed, um, and in another role that I had, I was the training manager. And so we had a new site director. And one of the things that we identified that was very important for everyone within the facility to be knowledgeable about was to be knowledgeable about lean. And we, you know, I began to do some research and discovered that there was a certification program available but it was only designed for managers. And I thought, you know, that, that does, although that's good, that doesn't make a lot of sense because why have one segment of the business population who understands these terms and these methodologies, but, you know, those members of the workforce who are executing and are, are closest to the process and driving the change, they need to be aware of it as well. And I remember submitting a proposal to the site director at the time. And I said, we all need to speak the same language. And I said, can I take this content and modify it and roll it out across the site? And he said, absolutely. And just, you talk about, um, you know, creating a learning organization and creating an organization of problem solvers. You know, nothing was more exciting than, you know, when you would, be in a, a work area and you'd see repair technicians and testers and, and shippers and receivers who ran into an issue and would pull out an A3 template, you know, recognizing that it's not a, a report that you fill out at the end, but it's something that you follow to go through the steps of the plan, do, check, act, or the plan, do, study, act cycle, and find ways to close the gap of where, they're, where, they, where they are in a process or whatever it is that didn't go as planned to how the process should work. And you know they were identifying solutions in real time. And then they would bring in you know, the team leader or the supervisor, their manager to get the buy-in or you know, ask about additional resources that they would need to do to test the experiment that they, they wanted to run. And, and that is what Lean is about. You know, it's not just about learning the tools, but, you know, putting information into the hands of people so that they can affect change, so that they can use their creativity. And, you know, again, it's just a win-win for everyone. 
Yeah, and they are engaged and they see that someone's listening and they're more productive and they want to improve because they, they know someone's listening yes. and they give better customer service and the yes. customers like that and they come back and it's just, yes. yeah, it's a no brainer. But sometimes I think to make that connection is a little difficult and they don't see how, you know, getting people engaged, which is a big problem in a lot of organizations, how that really does impact the business directly. So we, when we think about change, you know, as adults, you know, just as human beings, change can be, and I don't, I don't want to say it can be hard, but it, it's something different. Yeah. And, and, and I think most of us recognize the need to change, but sometimes what can be a little daunting is where to start because we visualize the end goal of ultimately where we want to be. And we're not sure of the first step to take. And I think that that applies uh, within some organizations. So, you know, when I approach that site director and said, hey, I want to change this content. I want to roll it out across the site. You know, well, we started out, we had a plan and we started out with smaller baby steps with the end goal of having everyone across the, the facility, which at that time, I believe was over 350 employees you know, who will be knowledgeable about lean and how, how to practice it. So, you know, you mentioned earlier that I'm a proponent of the Toyota Kata. I'm a huge Toyota Kata fan. I'm a self-proclaimed Kata geek. <laughs> and uh, the reason I say that is because practicing the Toyota Kata, especially the four steps of the improvement Kata, it really helps to help with that shift in mindset because when you have that big dream or goal that you can be excited about, you can also get overwhelmed. And when you follow the steps of the improvement kata and you understand the first step that you need to take, and it's a small step. And you know, after you, you know, grasp the current condition and you see where you are in relation to ultimately where you wanna be in, in um, working towards direction or challenge, well, then next you figure out your next target condition. You know, how do you want things to look on your way to the challenge? And it, and it should be, you know, small enough that you're like, you know what, I can do this. And you start, you know, and you take all those things we've learned, um, you know, all the about, you know, continuous improvement. And that applies towards running the experiment to get closer, you know, to that target condition on the way to the challenge. And, you know, when we look at how we want culture to evolve, and you know, within our organizations and how we want people to feel included and how we want to delight the customer. Um, you know, whatever these big goals that we have or objectives and aspirations that we want to achieve, we have to start somewhere. And I think starting out small helps it not to feel so overwhelming. Yeah. And that's a, that's a lot of what I, I try to share uh, with people I work with, whether, um, it's with you know, strategic planning or the strategic uh, vision boards, the strategic visioning that I do with individuals or groups is yes, you have this ultimate goal that you're trying to reach, but what's the next small step you can take to get there in a week or two weeks or you know, within a month and breaking it down that way, you know, it, it, it's just easier to manage. And you, like I said, you don't get so overwhelmed. Yeah, because I mean, we've all been, I think, part of these big, huge plans that are 
year-long, two-year-long plans down to intricate details. And it's like, this plan's out the window after the first month. I mean, it's, it's you know, you, you have this idea that everything can go smoothly and you don't even know if that's the right path to go. You still have the same right. target you're going for, but how you get there, you don't really know. I think right. that's really freeing for people. I agree. I think that mm-hmm. um, it really helps people um, not think about it as this, I got to get this perfect and we got to hit all these milestones and stuff that are just really a good guess, but you don't really know. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about it. And, and, you know, as we're, as we aspire towards perfection and working towards true North, you know, oftentimes we think, well, it has to be perfect right out of the gate. <laughs> and what's most important is to get started. And, you know, with what we know and practicing lean, there are things you're going to learn along the way. And, you know, with those things that you learn following that plan, do, check, act cycle, you know, you reflect, you, you take what you've learned and, you know, you determine your next step and then you continue to build and continue to improve, you know, upon that step and upon that process. If you like this topic, please check out Lean Six Sigma for Good, Lessons from the Gemba. Volume one is released and available through Amazon. We will soon have an audible version coming out early 2020, and we're working on Volume 2 as we speak. Volume 1 has eight chapters written by different authors who share their experiences applying Lean and Six Sigma to not-for-profit organizations. Um, so, yeah, you said you had a lot of different experiences, um, and including some with some nonprofit organizations. Could you just kind of describe some of those experiences and how you think Lean and process improvement kind of fits into those? Uh, different worlds, I guess, in, in terms of uh, the challenges that they have and what they're trying to accomplish, where there isn't a profit motive we can talk to necessarily. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, I have worked for nonprofit. I have worked with nonprofits um, in, in doing workshops and, um, you know, helping to, helping to provide guidance and direction uh, with some of the goals that they're trying to reach. You know, I'm very f- fortunate right now. I, I'm serving on the board for a nonprofit, uh, but one nonprofit uh, that I think people hear me talk about most often is uh, my affiliation with my sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. And I am a 23 year member. And over, you know, my tenure of membership, um, I have served and I'm serving and, you know, on a chapter level, I've served on a regional level. I'm currently serving on an international level. And, um, and, and pretty much wherever I go, continuous improvement comes with me, um, specifically practicing the Toyota Kata, uh, because it's my goal to create a world of problem solvers. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to you know, establish these learner, coach, uh, mentor, mentee type relationships. So within the sorority, I've been very fortunate. Um, some of the roles um, that I, I've served in are typically connected to our standards and our procedures and our policies. So you know, engaging other members of the sorority to look at ways how we can improve processes um, so that we're working smarter, not harder, because the other thing about nonprofits, you know, the, the monies that we generate you know, goes back into helping the communities. And so it's really important that we're efficient and that we're not wasteful. So looking at ways to streamline processes to to maximize um, those among our, you know, 
group of volunteers because we we all as, as sorority members we all serve as volunteers doing this community work that's really important. Um, I've also had an opportunity to um, I, in my chapter here in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, we have close to 600 members and I've been very fortunate. I, um, one of the past roles is I was the co-chairman of our leadership development committee. And so again, looking at ways to, um, you know, we, we developed something called affinity groups and uh, the committee and I, uh, we worked together to establish and group people in like professions and, and look at ways to help them thrive and be successful in their, in their positions. Not only that, for students who are in college and they were looking for mentors, connecting them with people who were you know, actively serving in, in education or healthcare or what have you, um, that could be a mentor for them, retirees that have you know, gone through the journey and they have great reflection, they have great information to share, you know, connecting those groups and then, um, you know, pulling those resources together to take those talents, to take, you know, what they're learning in these affinity groups from, you know, um, you know, different books that are being read or articles that they're, they're reading and turning that into public service and, and using that information as, you know, that strength in numbers, that strength in that volunteer group to have a positive impact on, on, on the work that we do in the community. Um, and so, you know, with that um, affinity group initiative that we had in our chapter, you know, of the a number of members of my chapter, anyone who's talked to me more than 10 seconds, they always hear me talk about Zakata. And so, you know, they, they asked, you know, as we were developing these processes and as they were looking for ways to improve, they were able to make that connection. And then too, we have, you know, members of our organization who are lean practitioners, who are lean Six Sigma master black belts and black belts. And so, you know, again, we all see ways to connect what we do to continuous improvement with what we do in a volunteer organization. Like I said, that has a benefit um, to our community. And, you know, and then of course that aligns with the international objectives for our sorority that's been set out um, by the current administration, which is led by Dr. Glenda Glover. So, you know, the work that we do has an impact on education, on, you know, women's healthcare and wellness, um, you know, uh, and even a global impact. You know, there are things that we're doing across the world that um, tie into environmental justice and, you know, things that are right for our community and a foundation that we use for that is lean. Yeah. So the, when you're talking about volunteers being more efficient so they can go and do more volunteering, and maybe spread some of what they're learning to these other groups that they're helping with. I think that's kind of a, a really interesting uh, and cool approach that, you know, because, uh, you know, we're a part of the Lean Portland group with Maria and Amanda and Matt mm -hmm. and these, and we have had to think about how do we do this smarter and better so we can be more effective when we go work with nonprofits. And so I think that's kind of a double uh, benefit there when you can teach the people doing the volunteering to uh, be more effective at how they do that. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and when I worked at a nonprofit and, and what we know about nonprofits is that um, the level of accountability and commitment they have to the mission, you know, to um, having an impact in the community, to, to bring about change, 
um, for when you know donors make their donations to maximize and get the most out of those investments. And then you know the the program recipients, those people who benefit from you know the programs and services that are being offered. And then you know volunteers. You know, and, and I don't know about your experience in working with volunteer organizations, but usually when people wave, you know, raise their hand to say, I want to volunteer, you know, I want to do this work, I'm not expecting pay, um, you know, th those people are, are far and few between sometimes. <laughs> and, and typically those volunteers, they have other responsibilities, you know, they may have a full time job, they have family commitments or what have you. So it's really important that when they come to do the work, that it makes sense, you know, that they're not spinning their wheels, that they're not sitting around waiting, that they can maximize, um, you know, their time and their talent and their resources to benefit and connect back to the mission of whatever it is the nonprofit is, is you know, working to accomplish. And so that was, that was a lot of fun for me when I worked at a nonprofit. Um, I served in a role, that's where I shared that it was a combination between human resources and continuous improvement. Mm. And it was so rewarding introducing continuous improvement, not only to staff, but to volunteer staff and members of the board um, to just, you know, to, to be even more efficient with the work that they were doing that ultimately, like I said, have a, has a positive impact on the community and, and the people who they serve. Yeah, my experience has been a lot of burnout. Um, with volunteers um, and staff, which, you know, I was really surprised, you know, there is a strong mission work that they all carry with them. But I think because they're struggling with over, overwhelm and keeping staff low, or a lot of people mm -hmm. sit, call that lean, and which is a terrible way to describe it. It's not what we're trying to do with lean, but they say, you know, we already are lean because we only have three people and we've got 30 people's worth of work. And that burns people out. Mm -hmm. It's overexertion. It's one of the ways that we want to spot and identify and, and, you know, to lose somebody's passion for that mission and for that work because they're just overwhelmed with the amount of work needed or everything's being dumped on them because there's a lack of process or there's a lack mm -hmm. of structure or we don't have clear definitions of what the value is or whether this is value added or not. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of opportunity could be is keep people engaged and not, you know, so they can focus on the real work that they signed up for. And I've heard this with government groups too, is like you signed up because you want to help people and here you're stuck doing paperwork that you kind of know is non-value added, but you don't have a way of dealing with it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's really um, disrespectful, you know, yeah. to have people to, who want to contribute and give their own time and then have a bad experience like that. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and Brian, I think that is why the work we do specifically, uh, like the work you do with Lean Six Sigma for good and um, the work I, I'm doing um, in collaboration with other members of the Lean community with the hashtag root cause racism movement. And then when I think about, you know, the span of my career, um, you know, early on as, as a child, even as, you know, volunteering and serving in different leadership roles um, with, you know, different organizations that I was affiliated with, you know, the, the common theme is, you know, people do get burnt out. 
And people can get frustrated when they feel like their ideas are not being heard, they're not taken into consideration, and that they're on a hamster wheel going nowhere. And you know, one of the eight ways skills underused or underutilized, people having talent, capability, and it just goes unrecognized. And you want to talk about something that just makes me madder than a little wet hen <laughs> is when we get to the point where skills are not being used. And what I mean by that is, you know, I, I, I get so worked up and so passionate about this. So let me, let me step back a little bit. <laughs> Part of the reason why practicing the Toyota Kata is so important to me and why I'm leaning more into the work around strategic planning and strategic visioning is because as leaders, when we have clear focus, clear direction with what we're trying to move towards, no matter if we're in a corporation, nonprofit, no matter where we are, if we have laser focus with ultimately where it is we're trying to go, and we're able to cascade that information to our teams and help them see the why, not just the what. Don't just come in and read this process and build this widget or check this box, but understand the why and how they're connected to the work and then providing opportunities um, for people to be included to for where they can speak up and, and share their ideas. And you know, even if the idea isn't selected or you know, follow through, at least it's heard and there's some discussion around it. And you know, what can lead to burnout is when people feel like, you know, I'm just here to check a box. You know, you know, if I didn't show up tomorrow, would anyone care? But when people see how they're connected to the bigger picture, you know, even when you get tired, you're able to keep going. And I, th I think about, you know, my experience with a sorority, totally volunteer. And, you know, during our leadership conferences and our workshops and just different work that we do in the community, there are a number of my sorority sisters who will work, you know, hours upon hours upon hours, but they see how what they're doing is connected to the overall vision, the mission and purpose of the sorority. We realize that we're being of service to all mankind and that our, our ideas are, are being heard and you know, any improvement uh, opportunities that we recognize, you know, they're considered, that keeps you going even you know, when you're tired. And if we can develop environments like that um, in, the, in, the, in our work world, in business, in nonprofits, you know, wherever we have people in processes, creating those environments where people can thrive, that's the game changer. And what we know and what we practice with Lean helps to drive that. And you know, that is the, the, the main foundation and the building block of the hashtag root cause racism movement. You know, we have these tools, we have these techniques, you know, we know what is available to drive change and make sure people are feeling engaged and um, to dismantle structural racism. But, you know, it's important to engage the people and make them feel a part of the process and show, you know, how these improvements can be made little bits and pieces at a time where people don't feel overwhelmed and where they don't feel like they're alone that it's a team, it's a community, it's a group 
working together towards, you know, this big mission or purpose that we're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, can you talk to root cause racism a little bit more? And sure. uh, how it got started and um, just what kind of what you're working on right now this year with the initiative? Sure. So hashtag root cause racism started out as a hashtag um, on my Facebook and, and Twitter personal accounts. And it was motivated by the murder of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. And I was so frustrated. I thought, you know, why do I continue to see people who look like me and members of my family, my loved ones, um, you know, having their lives snuffed out in, in, in just such a, a cold, heartless way. And I was just frustrated. And so I started posting, you know, that why can't we get to the root cause of, of, of what is, you know, at the heart of these issues? And then I would end it with hashtag root cause racism. Um, so then I decided to start sharing those type of posts, um, trying to create some conversation and dialogue of how we can get to the root of these issues that we experience daily that tie back to structural racism. And I started, you know, sharing that, you know, those posts and educational articles and things like that on LinkedIn. And as a result of those posts, um, it, it, it grew into um, some very interesting dialogue. Um, some that was positive and value added and some that was interesting. And I'll just categorize it as interesting. And um, that the people who didn't necessarily agree with my post and they felt like there was not a place for it on LinkedIn. Um, sometimes I feel like sending those folks a thank you card because they motivated me to keep posting. Mm -hmm. And um, as a result of that experience, I was able to connect with other members of the lean community, specifically uh, Mark Graben and invited um, me to, to write and, and share my thoughts around how we can use continuous improvement to address structural racism um, with, a, I believe he called it a, a blog handover, you know, so it wasn't like it was coming, taking it yeah, over, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. But, you know, to be able to use, um, you know, his platform of leanblog.org to, to share, you know, what it is we could do to, to start, you know, applying continuous improvement to addressing structural racism and, uh, or dismantling structural racism. And I, I said, well, you know, I, I am willing to write a blog, but what I'd like to do is I'd like to invite some other, some of my friends who are, are close to the process, close to this experience, and also who have um, a lean background. And we started out, we did this blog series um, using our vision and voices to root cause racism. It all started out as a vision board. I had a vision of what I wanted this series to accomplish. And after that blog series and the webinar, I just realized, you know, we can't stop here. And, you know, the, the goal of each blog series is to take something that's, that's happening um, connected to government, healthcare, education, and business, where the issues we see tie back to the system. They tie back to systemic racism and using lean methodologies to address those issues and get to the root of them and figure out what is a call to action? What is something that we can do to begin to chip away um, and dismantle racism? And so 
um, like I said, we, we decided we couldn't stop there. And so we've continued on. We've had a number of series. Um, there's actually um, a website, rootcauseracism.com. It's more of a community website where people can share best practices, share their experiences, um, where they can write blogs. And what Root Cause Racism is working on next, um, actually, I'm getting ready to um, extend an open call to anyone who wants to participate in the next series. So we're coming up on the one year anniversary of the first Root Cause Racism blog series. And during this next series in August, we really want to focus on um, voter rights and um, addressing what we're seeing across the nation where laws are being you know, written and, and signed creating, making it so difficult for people to vote, for, you know, people who have the right to vote, you know, causing limitations and restrictions to where we can't vote. And so um, that's, that's a series that's coming up. And then, you know, we're continuing to build a creating education awareness and also those calls to action because, you know, what we know about, you know, I'm practicing lean, you know, we have to do, we come up with our plan, but we have mm -hmm. to do and check and then, um, you know, act on what it is that, uh, that the improvements that we want to make. Yeah, and that's, you know, it's a big challenge, right? And so you have to take in small doses and steps, small steps, because it will feel probably overwhelming at times. It is. Uh, how do you get started and move this, you know, yeah. long issue? Yeah, how do you get started? How do you get it moving? moving? How do you keep it moving? And then where you feel like you're not alone. And oftentimes when I talk about uh, the root cause racism movement, I don't say I, it's we, we are a team. Um, and there are people who are, you know, out front with the blogs who are, you know, participants on the, the panel discussions with the webinars. And then there are also people who are working behind the scenes. And we all have this goal, you know, again, plying the Toyota Kata, you know, if I, I phrase the challenge statement for the work of hashtag root cause racism and, and linked it to what we do with the Kata is, wouldn't it be great if we could eradicate racism within my lifetime? Is that realistic? But it is, an, it is something aspirational. It's something that, that we're working toward. And we're working towards doing that one blog, one webinar, one workshop, um, working with you know one group, one individual at a time, helping people to identify small steps that they can take to impact change. That's great. Yeah, I can't believe it's a year already. <laughs> yeah, time flies. That's so fast. Time flies when you're working hard. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, there's a lot to work on, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, anything else you wanted to share or bring up? I think we covered everything on my notes here, but any other yeah. final comments or thoughts? You know, just my final comments, you know, Brian, I, I wanna encourage you to, to keep, uh, you know, some, I'm a hashtag person, <laughs> but the hashtag keep your foot on the gas. You know, I, like I said, I follow your work. I, um, you know, follow your website. I follow what you do on social media and you and your colleagues, you're doing great work. Um, taking Lean Six Sigma and applying it um, to all types of um, disparities and inequities that we see in our community to affect change. So, you know, thank you for the work that you're doing. You're making a difference. 
And I'm so thankful to be connected with you. And, you know, thank you for allowing me to be on today. Um, it feels like, doesn't feel like we were recording a podcast. No, yeah. It feels like, you hanging know, <laughs> some of our, hanging out in some of our typical conversations. So this has been great. And um, just like I said, keep your foot on the gas and keep moving on to the next one, Brian. And, and the same for your listeners that are, are following the recommendations that you and other guests are sharing of ways that you know we can apply lean to make this world a better place. Yeah, I, the same to you. I think what you're doing is great. And um, anything we can do to support that would be, just let us know, you know. Okay. Um, how can Remember someone you get said that. Yeah. <laughs> Remember you said that, I'll be calling you, Brian. Okay. <laughs> so the it. best, okay, I, trust me, I will. So the best way for people to get in touch with me um, through my website, which is my name, DeandraWardell.com. Um, when you access my website, that takes you to all of my social media platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Also, um, it connects you to the Root Cause Racism website. So um, Deandra Wardell, D-E-O-N-D-R-A-W-A-R-D-E-L-L-E.com. And you also have a hashtag or a high five Friday. Yes, High Five Friday. And with High Five Friday, I enjoy that so much. That's where, um, you know, I, again, I want everyone, I want to create this, I want to help develop this world of problem solvers. And there are so many people who are practicing lean and they may not realize it. So in the High Five Friday feature, I like to spotlight those people who are making, you know, impacts within their corner of the world and, you know, they're using the tenants of lean to do it. And so um, I really enjoy that. And sometimes there are themes that I have, like um, a few months ago, I had a theme about Gata Kata. And so I was talking about how people are using the improvement and coaching Kata to make an impact. And right now I'm taking the, um, the High Five Friday, I'm doing some flashbacks um, during the summer because we've recognized some really amazing people that are continuing to build on what they've done historically um, that caused them to be recognized, you know, in earlier months. So I'm featuring and spotlighting those people again so that people can see, you know, they didn't just stop. Mm -hmm. They're continuing yeah. to take what they're doing and improve upon that to make a difference. That's great. Yeah. Um, also about Kata, what's a good resource for people? Because I'm I don't know if we've talked about it that much on my previous podcast. So do you refer them to the Mike Rother site or do you have another reference that you would recommend if people want to learn more about Kata? Absolutely. So there are a couple of, of good places um, where people can go to learn more about the Toyota Kata. Of course, um, Mike Rother is on Twitter and every day it seems like he's holding a, a, a mini masterclass with his <laughs> tweets and just sharing you know, good information about practicing the improvement kata and coaching kata. Also on my website, there are um, webinars that I've, that I've conducted. One of them more recently after, I was one of the co-hosts of KataCon this year. And as a follow-on to KataCon, uh, I was invited by my good friends at Kinexus to do a webinar. And I did a webinar called Kata in the Community. And so I talked about all of the, the fundamental components of and the, the four steps of the improvement kata, the coaching kata, and then how to, to practice the kata with doing community service and work within the community. That's great. Yeah, and I'll put all those in the notes 
So yeah, if you want to send me over some links, I'll just post those in there and make sure everyone can access that. Okay, that's perfect. I'll great. make sure I'll send those to you. Okay. Well, thank you, Deandra. This is great. It was good catching up and uh, learning a little bit more. I've heard uh, bits and pieces of your story, but um, I really wanted to hear more about the nonprofit stuff. So I really appreciate you sharing that and, and taking the time today. Absolutely. Again, thank you for having me and enjoy the rest of your day. Okay, you too. Okay. Bye. Bye. Want to better organize your work area or bring 5S methods into your organization? Check out the 5S guide from Creative Safety Supply. You also get three free bonuses. Bonus number one, free 5S poster. Bonus number two, free 5S PowerPoint. And bonus number three, free 5S audit card. Go to leansixsigmaforgood.com slash 5S for the free downloads. They also provide floor tape markings, labels, signs, foam tool organizers, red tags, label printers, and other organization tools. Make sure you use code BPI at checkout to save 10%.